Want to support the show? How about becoming a Route 16 Grind Patreon today for as little as a buck a month? It's not just a contribution, but an investment goes directly to the show. Help this podcast expand and grow. Check out the show notes for the links to our Patreon page. This week on the Route 16 Grind in the Outdoor Update, I discuss Senate Bill 3422 and make a correction to last week's show. From the field, I'll give a quick rundown of a springtime fish that I love to chase and anyone can catch, whether you have a boat or not. In our on-target segment, Instructor One from Riker USA talks about everyday carry clothing selection. In the rock, mud, and dirt, Brian interviews YouTuber, the bearded jeeper. And in typical fashion, we wrap up the show with a cup of joe. The Route 16 Grind, Episode 16. Bust out the chartreuse. The Route 16 Grind is sponsored by Sea State Coffee, Warren Industries, Tuffy Security Products, and Route 16 Off-Road. Welcome to the Route 16 Grind, the podcast for outdoor adventurers. Each week, we bring you information related to off-road and outdoor activities. If you wheel, hunt, fish, overland, or are an all-around adventurer, this podcast is for you. Each week, we pour a cup of sea steak coffee and talk about informative topics, the gear, and the training that can help you have a successful outdoor adventure. We have amazing contributors and some great conversation. So, grab your cup and enjoy the show. Here are your hosts, Brian and Chuck. All right, welcome back to the Route 16 Grind. I'm Brian from Route 16 Off-Road, and I'm here with Chuck. Chuck, man, welcome back, dude. What's up, brother? How's your week been, man? Been busy. I've had family <laughs> in and out for the last few weeks. It's been good. It's been really good, but it's been yep. busy. And i uh, got some new visitors this week and looking forward. It might be up in Boone, actually, this weekend. So we'll see what happens. What uh, what you got going on in Boone? I think we're just uh, hanging out there. I know they got some fishing tournament there. Uh I don't think I'll be able to fly fishing tournament going okay. on there, right? I don't think I'll be able to hook that up. I'm, I'm, oh yeah, yeah. The uh, the Do South Outfitters, which is a, a fly shop in Boone, yeah, they're doing their tournament this weekend. Where uh, essentially it's a fundraiser for conservation. I forgot all about that. Oh yeah, yeah, that's happening there. But it's always a beautiful, beautiful place to visit. We appreciate your posts. And feedback, one of the best ways to help out the show is to post a five-star review with your feedback on Stitcher and Apple Podcasts. This helps us grow the Route 16 Grind audience, and we also get a chance to hear from you. So if you love the show, please consider leaving us a five-star rating on Stitcher and Apple Podcasts today. The Outdoor Update is brought to you by Tuffy Security Products. Having your vehicle broken into is not a laughing matter. Trust Tuffy Security Products to stop opportunistic thieves. Tuffy is the industry leader in automotive security and provides peace of mind when you walk away from your rig. Durable and easy to install. Tuffy Security Products has adventure-ready consoles, drawers, and lockboxes available for you to organize your rig and secure your gear. Visit TuffyProducts.com and use special offer code GRIND to save 10% on your order. Remember to lock it up. Welcome back to the Outdoor Update, the weekly segment where we provide you with stories, news, and information from the recent goings-on in the outdoor world. So I want to get the Outdoor Update started off by making a little correction from last week. I posted about this on Instagram 
on the Route 16 page. But uh, one thing that I wanted to point out and correct, when I was discussing the Land and Water Conservation Fund last week and then with uh, President Trump's tweet, I had mentioned Steve, D- G- Steve Daines from Montana and Cory Gardner. And I, I fully admitted in the show that I didn't do my research to looking into them. Um, I wasn't aware of them being champions of the bill or even of the concept of fully funding the Land and Water Conservation Fund. Well, I was wrong. I should have dug into them a little bit more. Actually, both Senator Daines and Gardner were some of the original co-sponsors of the Senate bill that was the companion bill to H.R. 3195. So my apologies for that. Um, I didn't want to spread any false information. I wanted to point that out there. Um, I, I don't want to take credit away from anybody. Uh, when they're when they're doing doing the right thing and they're signing off on stuff that's that's super beneficial to pretty much everyone in the country. So I just wanted to get that out there. And and now that kind of leads into the the other bill that I want to talk about that was just introduced uh, yesterday on the 10th. And this was introduced in the Senate and it's a uh, Senate bill thirty four twenty two. It's essentially it's it's a revamp of some of the things that I was discussing last fall with the Land and Water Conservation Fund. So what this bill is essentially doing from from what I've gathered uh, based on some conversations I've had with some folks that are familiar with it is that it's not only going to fully fund the Land and Water Conservation Fund, but there also is a component to it that is going to allow for. I believe the number is $10 billion to be spent on the backlog of maintenance for public lands. And from what I've been told and from what BHA's put out and some of the other people I've talked to, it's supposed to be covering BLM land, national parks, national forest, pretty much all public land. It's going to be spent over the next 10 years to, to help try to mitigate a lot of these maintenance issues that a lot of folks that use public lands complain about routinely. That's roads, camping facilities, uh, bathrooms, access areas, just routine trash pickup, tons and tons of maintenance issues. So it's, it's supposed to help out with that. I'm not sure where the funding's come. The bill is so fresh that there's not a summary or the language hasn't even been published on congress.gov yet. This is obviously the bill that President Trump was referring to when he said that he would sign the whatever bill came across his desk. This is the one. Steve Daines out of Montana, Senator Daines, has signed on as a co-sponsor. But interestingly enough, Cory Gardner hasn't. Um, not sure why, um, but I, I'm, I expect him to. But if any of our listeners in uh, Colorado want to reach out as one of his constituents and let him know, that you do support uh, this bill and you support fully funding land and water conservation fund and you fully support eliminating or at least knocking a dent in the maintenance backlog for public lands around the country. I, I recommend you reaching out to him. Of course, my recommendation would be to wait until the uh, language of the bill is released and at least get a rundown on the summary you can do some research now. There are a few media outlets that are releasing some stuff about it, but nothing's really, nothing's really known uh, just yet. Like super in depth, at least as in depth as I like to go. I actually like to read these bills and, and kind of break them down for 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 my own understanding, because a lot of times 
I tend to skim over some things that are in articles or coming specifically from news outlet. Hey, so Chuck, I uh, went on congress.gov as you were talking about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that, yeah, I probably should have interjected sooner. The, uh, well, I just got a message from you on Skype and yeah. that's kind of what, that's kind of why I was trying to look at it and figure out what you'd send over and, and wrap up my comments. Yeah. So it, it has that in there and, uh, it has the sponsor, uh, the, uh, uh, Senator Cory Gardner in there yep. and people can read it and I'll make sure to put it on our show notes uh, that way it, but you can get alerts uh, for this bill as it's being modified as yep. it moves all that oh, yeah. so it's great information provided that yeah he is he's actually it says sponsor introduce 0309 2020 so just recently where is he at on that if you open up the link you can oh see, oh yep. oh and you know what he's the sponsor yep that's why. So never mind. Don't reach out to Corey Gardner. He is the sponsor of the bill. I right. skimmed over that because <coughs> I was on Congress.gov earlier, and that was how. <coughs> excuse me. And that was how I knew that Danes was one of the the co-sponsors of it. So yeah, he's falling right in line with the way he did last time, and and Danes is as well. Ton of senators out there signing on board. There's 56 sponsors. Uh, still waiting for, still waiting for that summary though. Still waiting for the actual text to be released, but yeah. So it's good to see that, uh, Corey Gardner is still on board. The one thing that that tells me that, uh, not a lot of things changed no. since, uh, the first, uh, the first bill that was, that was the companion bill to HR 3195 last year in Congress. Yeah, I think what probably might happen is they'll do stuff like with most bills. They'll, they'll do the things in the House, then they'll go to the Senate, and then they already have a plan of attack. What the Senate's going to abstract, you know, uh, you know what they debate on over there, and then uh, they'll get it to the president's desk. And I think the probably the good thing about this, uh, aside from uh, our president. Like you covered last uh, podcast, weaponizing this issue, which it shouldn't have been. It should just been, hey, it's something for everybody. Let's just get it through. Um, the, I think the best, the good thing about it is, once it gets to his desk, unless it has something crazy in it, um, he's going to sign it. So, oh yeah, yeah. And I would imagine, uh, just from like based based on the tweet and based on him calling out Senator Gardner. And Senator Danes, we were all the last ones to find out about the bill. You know what I mean? Like he he he's aware of the language. Everybody's aware of the language, obviously. Um, so I I fully expect once it if it goes through, which it more than likely will. Like I said, this is bi- this is a bipartisan uh, bill. There is there is one senator in particular that signed off on it that. Didn't sign off on the last one until very, very late in the game. So uh, when you keep up with stuff like this and you and stuff matters to you and you keep tabs on certain bills that affect your life and you keep up with co-sponsors, I think that really tells you a lot about the people that are uh, that you're a constituent of right. in, your, in your state. And it, it's very glaring to me uh, where this person lies. And, um, it's, it's very difficult for me to trust, uh, anything that comes out of their mouth now from this point forward. Right. Because we had interactions about the previous bill and I was essentially told, yeah, not happening. 
So, um, so now with this, it's, it's kind of interesting, which that's another thing that I, I've kind of learned from not being involved in the politics side of things, but keeping up with the politics side of things. When you, I, I'm able to see people's actions. I see people's actions a lot more now than I ever did versus just seeing them talking on TV or seeing interviews, seeing things in the newspaper, little excerpts in magazines. So it, now it's starting to tell me a lot about the people I trust and don't trust. Yeah, so, politics, man, politics. Oh, it's something. Yeah, crazy. Hey, and just so, <coughs> just real quick, like Chuck covered, just go to congress.gov. You can just put it, and we're going to have the actual link in our show notes, but this right. is so you can look at other bills that, you know, Chuck, like Chuck's talking about. You should be involved in this. So congress.gov and look in current red leg- legislation. You could put in there the, the term for the bill, or in this particular issue, it's S30.3422. It'll bring it up. And when you, when it brings it up, it gives you what the bill is. It'll tell you to sponsor and what the latest actions are. Um, so this thing was read a second time on the 10th of March, placed in Senate legislative calendar under general orders calendar number 438. You can get alerts for this. You can subscribe to the RSS feed. So all this stuff is open and out there for you to get involved in. So this whole thing, like you have to wait for somebody on the tube to tell you don't, if there's anybody you definitely don't want to trust as a person on the tube, get in here and look what's in here in writing. This is what matters. And this is what you take to your rep- representative saying, hey, hold up, be an educated constituent and approach your elected representatives. Don't yep. just be the angry guy. Yep. And, and, and legitimately, like, I, I know about things that are important to me. Like, typically, it's months before it ever hits the news now, just because <clears> – <throat> I'm involved in things that are important to me and the things that I'm involved in from a conservation standpoint, they're educating members like me about uh, certain bills and, and certain pieces of legislature that come through. So I've read about them. I'm seeing stuff that comes up. I, I keep up with kind of how it's proceeding forward and certain votes and whatnot. So by the time it, it's, they start to talk about it on the news, it's like, Oh, well this has been going along for a while. And and it almost is sometimes it seems to me like by the time it catches hold in the media, it's a, it's at the point of no return. Right. You know, it's like, well, what difference does it make now that, you know, now realistically the only thing to do is be happy or be pissed off. Right. Absolutely. And they, they know what they're doing. And the thing about it is it, it all starts with the people that are supposed to represent us. So if we don't get involved, we get, you know, this type of delivery. And so get involved, you know, find they out what's going want- on and let them know that you're watching. They don't want to hear it, but they do work for us. When you hear the calls, you know we have a report from the field. So I guess for for my kind of my last full time in the field segment, I wanted to go out with something that to to put you all out in the outdoors, enjoying yourselves. And hopefully putting some some food in the fryer or in the oven, if you so wish. And we're going to talk about crappy fishing. And the reason that I want to talk about crappy fishing, for one, it, it's the fishing that I cut my teeth on as a kid. Uh, my grandpa was big into crappy fishing. He used to fish a lot of tournaments. He and I fished some crappy tournaments together. And we weren't any good, really, but we had a good time doing it. And it, it's one of those things to where you can you can make it as as 
much work or as effortless as you want to. We troll for crappy. Typically, I'll fish for crappy a lot more often than my grandfather. Pretty much once they stop spawning in the spring, he's done. He's ready to move on to stripers or flounders, something out of the coast, something down in Georgia, striper fishing mostly, and uh, can't get him on the catfish yet. But right now is the perfect time for anybody to go out and crappy fish. It really is. It's, it's super simple. If, if you don't have a fishing rod, you can, you can go to Walmart. You can spend 20 bucks. It's something more than efficient on, on a rod. That's going to be more than efficient and, and get the job done. And you don't need a real heavy rod. A ultra light rods. Great. You get a couple packs of jigs, pack of jig heads, and you can go out and beat the banks. You don't even have to have a boat. One thing I do recommend because the crappier starting to spawn there instead of crappy are very nomadic fish in general but instead of like in the winter and the summer they're moving out to deeper water a lot of times you do i know folks that do create crappy shallow pretty much all year but it's in isolated pockets but typically in the summer and the winter they're moving out into the deeper water they're they're holed up on brush piles they're clumped together they're they're harder to find because they're not as spread out and they're also they're not as accessible from the bank as what they are right now and I remember a couple of years ago, my grandfather and I, we went out to Lake Wiley. We, we trolled around the lake all day trying to catch crappie. I think we caught one crappie. I, I love crappie. They're excellent table fare. So I throw the crappie in the cooler. We get back to the boat ramp, kind of aggravated, you know, because it, it's, it's the time of the year where we should be catching 100 in a day. We are, uh, we're loading up, and there's a guy and his family fishing over near the ramp. And I was like, hey, man, you want this fish? He's like, yeah, bring it over here and throw it in a bucket. And I'm thinking he may have one or two fish in the bucket, if any. I walk up to this guy and go to throw my crappy in the bucket, and his bucket is full of crappy. He's been sitting there at the boat ramp all day hammering crappy. And, th- and they were starting to move in, and, and they, were, they were starting to move back. The, bo- the boat ramp was next to a cove. It was a, a, adjacent to a big flat. And when I say big flat, what I mean is an area of – water where the depth's pretty consistent over uh, a pretty good size area. Let's say the, the size of maybe half a football field. Uh, it would have to be that big before I called it a flat. So anyway, so my recommendation would be for, if you're looking for an area to go, to go catch some crappy and you don't have a boat, start looking at boat ramps, like get online, find your local boat ramp. Cause typically boat ramps won't be out on the main channel. They'll be either, at the mouth of a cove or a creek coming into the main channel of a lake. And when that's the case, that's where those crappy are moving. Now it may take you a couple weekends or a couple days to figure out which boat ramps the best, but a lot of times there's a lot of access from the bank. So you pull up, you park and just start walking the bank, throwing the crappy jigs out. And, and you can literally get online. If you don't know what a crappy jig is and search crappy jig, it looks like a little grub worm with a curly tail. That's the, that's the traditional ones. That's the ones I recommend in chartreuse, of course, chartreuse and black, blackhead, chartreuse tail, but crappy really eat any color, blues, whites, pinks, yellows, and you just start casting and real retrieving back, vary your retrieve real slow, real fast, kind of, kind of jig it, uh, stop it every once in a while. But once you find them, typically you'll be able to catch two, three, four, five fish out of a little area. Uh, this time of the year, they won't be quite as concentrated into like one school on one piece of structure, whether it's a rock or a brush pile or something, they're going to be spread out. They're typically, they're going to be feeding 
And if you happen to see some shad or, or some tiny fish flicking on the top of the water, there's a good chance there's going to be some crappy underneath them. But just start working the coves around these boat ramps because they're they're easy to access. They got places to park. Typically, got trails going around, and and there's not going to be houses there. So you you have more water to move around in from the bank and fish and cast to, and you can typically you'll be able to find some crappy and hopefully fill up a cooler full, take some home, flay them up and fry them. Uh, <coughs> it really is. It, it is the perfect sport fish as far as I'm concerned because they're delicious. They're they're fairly easy to catch this time of the year when you can find them, and and it's it's a whole heck of a lot of fun. They don't look like they fight real real hard, and and in the grand scheme of things, pound for pound, they're not the world's best fighters, but they're still they're still a heck of a lot of fun to catch. And when you get in them, you can get in a lot of them, and when you catch a big one, there's really nothing like it as far as I'm concerned. I got one, it's uh, two pounds eleven ounces on my wall. I've caught some that are pretty close to that big before in my life. Uh, other people in my family have some that are three pounds. So that, I mean, that's a, that's a giant and it, but it's just a really fun pan fish to catch. And it's, I think it's a great way to get kids out doing it. Cause you're not sitting there. You can go buy a bucket of minnows, uh, and, and drag, drag a minnow around about 18 inches below a bobber. If you want, sometimes you need to do that with a jig. If you're getting hung up in grass or something, you may need to put a bobber on, but it's it's a more active type of fishing versus throwing a bunch of rods out, kicking back in a chair and sitting there. Sometimes kids can't do that. They want to stay moving. So I think this is a perfect opportunity for everybody to get out, especially if you're new to fishing and, and you want to find some success. If you keep working at it, you can do it. I tell you what, so you, you gave away my secret uh, crappy spots. All boat ramps. Mm-hmm. All boat ramp. My area, we have a uh, we have about seven different lakes in just the, the area that I live at. And that's where I go. If I'm like, ah, man, I'm not catching anything, I go to the boat ramp, catch some crappy. And I, I tell you what, if once you find yep. that one spot that you're like, man, um, you probably just need a stick, some string, a bobber, and a hook. You know, right. you really do. Like, you can just literally just kind of like play with it a little bit. And they're gonna come. I mean, they 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 come and they and they do attack that uh, bait pretty well. Um, they're and I agree with you. When you're yeah. really trying to get kids involved, it's a fun fish. And and um, yeah. So uh, I I before the show, we Chuck and I were talking. Um, I got a uh, there's a, a gentleman. I I'll put a link in the show notes that talks about cooking up some like bluegill. And you can probably take that recipe and apply it to a variety of different versions of crappy. And um, yeah, really good. Cut does it a few ways. Super easy, easy. And you know what? He likes the uh, the tail when he fries yeah. it up. He's like potato chip. Um, I've never yep. did that. Never did. That. I've done it with. I've done it with catfish. Uh, never done it with crappy. Yeah. Uh, I <laughs> I got a little six inch Rapala flay knife. Oh yeah, it's pretty. It's it's pretty much. It it does two things. I, I use it to cut silver skin off of deer meat and I flay crappy with it. Right. I, I, I'm a flay fried fish guy. That's what I like. If I mean, nine times out of 10, if I'm eating fish, that's how I'm eating it. I would do it 10 times out of 10. If I was the only one that was, had a vote in the whole process, it, I, I flay them. I don't do the whole fish thing. It's so much easier not to pick around the bones. Tons of videos on YouTube how to fillet them. Crappy's a super easy fish to fillet, uh, and there's there's plenty of meat even on the on the smallest ones. Typically, what I'm I'm keeping fish from the t- ten to twelve inch range um, out of Lake Wiley. I don't keep too many fish over twelve inches just because those are the 
those are the 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 bigger the fish, the heavier fish is, the more eggs they have. So I'm essentially looking at it from a conservation standpoint. A, t- a, t- a twelve inch, ten to twelve inch fish is plenty of meat on that fish. And if I've got a limit of ten to ten to twelve inch fish, that's 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 more than enough uh, for multiple meals. Twenty twenty fish is going to end up being for me and my wife at least five meals, um, and then probably lunch the next day a couple times. So. Hey, I got a question for you, Chuck. So this is something I've been doing since I was a kid. Um, I really started fishing primarily with catfish. And I got tired of like just waiting on the pole. So what I started doing, and again, some of y'all might do this already. This is what I do, is I'll take the most reflective tiny bait. You know those little baits you get like Bass Pro or something and look like little round pieces are tiny. And they have like reflective, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, sparkly material on it. I'll take some of those and I'll just like throw a couple in and see if I get a hit off the bait. And I'm like, oh, okay. And then I'm like, and for like, I'm really looking like for crappy or something like that on the banks. That's what I do. I'll throw a couple, like one of those in, see what, uh, or I'll throw some orange in, like an orange, bright orange bait in. I'll, I'll throw that in. And, uh, I've been pretty successful with specifically with crappy with that. So I'm not, you know, necessarily just casting and wishing. I know there's something there. Oh yeah, and that that's why I like crappy jigs so much. And you can get you can get them. They're called beetle spins. Um, well, that's what well, that's what I still call them because it used to be it was the the spinner and the little jig right. all in I, one. Yep. Um, but now you can get just the little spinner. It looks like a tiny spinner bait. So essentially, it's a jig with like a an L shaped piece of metal coming off of it with a blade on it that spins in circles. It's real flashy, but. Yeah, that's that's why I like the crappy fishing so much because you're always moving. Uh, we troll, so we're ca- we're we cast out ten rods and then we're sitting still in the boat. Oh, and my nice. goodness, it can be boring, but when you get in them, it's on. Oh I yeah, mean, it it is it's lights out. And we've we've had numerous hundred fish days um, this time of the year, especially. I've got buddies that can catch. 50 to a hundred fish any time of the year. Um, I just don't dedicate enough time to them to, to catch them like these guys. Like I said, they're a nomadic fish. And, and once they get out in the deeper water, you you, you find an isolated brush pile, some trees and, and you really get on them. But that's when, well, when they really get hot on brush piles, about time deer season starting up, my fishing rods draw dust then. So, you know, uh, so I that place that I hunted this last year, it was a uh, it was private property. I had to pay a small fee to go onto it, but they had two ponds. Mm-hmm. And so this year I'm going to hunt that same place and I'm going to go out scouting and then when I'm kind of like take my break from scouting. I mean cuz I I was like literally I so I caught about I think like four or five crappy and that was like in a like an hour and a half uh and I wasn't even really trying. But I'm gonna go back to that same place, and I'm definitely gonna break up my scouting and fishing on that place. Oh yeah, no, the, the farm ponds can be the best sometimes, man, especially for brim. Uh, I got a few farm ponds that are good crappy holes, but uh, a small pond for some big shell crackers and some big bluegills, though, that's what I really like doing too. Yeah, it, it it's not really uh, utilized uh, for the fishing, yeah. and and you can kind of tell like you don't have a lot of uh, 
a lot of, you know, there's people that actually go out there to kind of sit and I can tell, but you know, you, you just, you can tell when people are bank fishing and stuff. You just don't see those yep. pictures there. So oh, yeah, yeah, man, super cool. I'm, I'm definitely going out there. I might go out there this weekend, see what I can do. Bring some poles with me up to Boone. The hell yeah, dude. If they're, they just stocked them some trout. So if I was, you can't keep them. Yeah. But delayed harvest streams right now, you can't fish hatchery supported. They're shut down until April the 4th, I think. I think 4th is the opening day of hatchery-supported waters this year. But delayed harvest, uh, they're stocked. And depending on the stream you go to, there's big pockets of really dumb ones (laughs) that are really fun to catch. We'd like to feature your success in outdoor adventures. So shoot the picks over to us with a brief story. Route16.com and select contact. That's R-O-O-T-O-N-E-S-I-X.com and select contact. The Red Warren Badge says you're equipped to handle anything, ready to conquer any challenge that may come your way. That badge has stood for off-road excellence for more than 70 years. During that time, we haven't stopped innovating or striving for perfection. Be ready. Be prepared. Go Warren. On target. Welcome to our On Target segment where you receive the inside scoop on brands, products, and training that can help you step up your hunt and range game. This week, Ron from Riker USA covers part one of Everyday Carry. What's up, everybody? Ron with Riker USA coming to you this week on the Route 16 Grind podcast with your weekly practical tactical update. And I want to talk about your EDC, your Everyday Carry. And one of the things that we always try to uh, instill in our students in our classes is if I carry this can I wear that if I wear that can I carry this and what I'm referring to is the type of holster the position of the holster and pistol that you're carrying it's important to know the difference between weapon sizes so a full-size weapon is generally a five inch barrel or larger a compact is usually a four inch barrel and a subcompact is a three inch barrel Then you have single stack and double stack. So basically, I'll use Glock as the example. A Glock 19 is a compact double stack pistol, which has 15 round mags, which will allow you to have one in the chamber, so 16 rounds. A Glock 43X is a single stack with a 10 round mag and one in the chamber for 11 rounds. These will also determine on what you're wearing on where you're going to be at. These are all things you need to take into consideration. So if I carry this gun, can I wear that outfit? If I wear that outfit, can I carry this gun? It's the same thing, but there is some slight differences there. So we'll start with belt. There are tons of gun belts out there. They're generally double uh, double ply, stitched, heavy-duty leather. They're high quality. I actually have two that I've had for probably one for 10 years and one for over 20 years. They will stand the test of time. For me, they are slightly uncomfortable. I got away from them uh, about four years ago and picked up this belt called or made by Grip 6. And it's a piece of nylon. It's super simple, a flat aluminum buckle. And the uh, the running end of the of the belt goes through the belt loops and slides in a slot that goes behind the buckle. It's a nice, flat, neat appearance. I use a uh, gunmetal gray color, and it's very versatile. So I could wear it with a suit. I could wear it with shorts. I could wear it with jeans. 
Um, the nylon strap, you just get it tight enough where it holds the pistol up. I carry in the waistband, so this has worked extremely well for me over the last few years. The next I want to talk about is your pants and shorts selection. If you are carrying inside the waistband, IWB, in an apex position or the smaller your back or on your hip, I strongly recommend going up one waistband size in your pants to allow for freedom of movement. You don't want to get a uh, put on a pair of pants and have the holster be too tight. Remember, function over fashion. Uh, sometimes a holster that's too tight or the pants are too tight and you're jamming the holster in there, you'll print a lot easier. Printing is uh, showing an outline of the holster or the p- pistol, which defeats the, the, the definition of concealed, which means not visible to the public. And uh, so you, you want to think about that. But one of the other things, too, is if you're jamming it in there and you don't have a lot of extra room, it's going to restrict the material and it's going to make it a little bit more uncomfortable. And it's just not going to feel good. And it's going to dig that holster into your, your body wherever you are wearing it. So I suggest going one waist size bigger. I also suggest, and, and I actually just found out that Carhartt is now making four-way stretch. So if Carhartt's doing it, there's no excuse uh, four-way stretch is awesome. It just allows freedom of movement. It's not restrictive, and uh, you know you get a good, uh, um, you know, good waistband that has some flex in it too. That's that's going to be good, uh, you know, for comfort side of things. Uh, next would be, you know, uh, if I'm if you carry Apex, uh, a lot of times I will wear two shirts. I wear a light, like uh, you know, a wife beater style tank top underneath a t-shirt. And that'll be tucked in, and then my other shirt will lay over it. And this kind of helps with uh, with the material laying over the weapon and helping prevent that printing. Um, if I'm carrying Apex most of the time and I switch up to a suit, now I'm going to be carrying in the small of my back, I have to do a couple things different. Uh, one, I want to make sure my suit jacket has dual splits on the sides. One, this allows the material to lay a lot more naturally and, and work to prevent printing, but it also gives you easier access to retrieving your weapon if you have to. The other part of that is before I would step off out of my house, uh, if I was carrying Apex all day and I come home, get cleaned up and put on a suit to go out to dinner or to an event, and I'm carrying in the small of my back, I'm going to set myself up for success. I'm going to unload the weapon and I'm going to stand in front of the mirror and I'm going to conduct some dry fire, retrieving the pistol from the new carry position. This is hitting that mental reset button, which is extremely important to do if you change any anything in your EDC, uh, being everyday carry. IWB is inside the waistband. OWB is outside the waistband. So belt selection is important. Pants, one size bigger when going inside the waist. Pants with stretch and understanding, you know, what you need to do to, to uh, follow along the line. If I carry this, can I wear that? Hopefully this was helpful to some of you guys, and uh, I know Brian's got my info on there, so if you've got any questions or you want to uh, attend some training where we actually teach this stuff, feel free to hit me up, and uh, thanks for listening, and I look forward to next week. See you on the range. Hey, this is Nikki D, and uh, thanks for all the tips for uh, my trip to Linville, Chuck. Uh, I wish I could tell you I had a great time, but uh, truth is, I didn't go. Uh, weather didn't line up, and 
when I was inspecting my Jeep, I found a couple of issues, and I thought it'd just be best to pass this one up. And so I spent my days off uh, under my Jeep instead of in my Jeep. But, um, you know, next time. It, it's on my trail list. I'm going to head up next to you. And, uh, man, you, you talk a lot about uh, cons- conservation. Every time I try to say that, I say conversation. So if I say conversation, I apologize. But uh, my daughter, when she was in high school and freshly out of high school, hooked up with the forestry service through uh, volunteers.gov and uh, the student conservation association and that's the t-h-e-f-c-a dot org and uh, she she hooked up through them and uh, did a lot of volunteer work in the a lot of the national parks her goal was to visit every national park there was and uh so she volunteered and she does trail maintenance and works in a gift shop here and there and she could do it all year round or a week or two at a time. It's, you know, it's volunteer work, so you just pick your hours and uh, you can pick the park you want to go to. But she's been all over the country and uh, they reimbursed you for your travel. So, and they, they put you up mostly in a bunkhouse. When she's doing trail maintenance, she's sneezing it. You know, they pretty much backpack down a trail for a week, cutting trees and doing whatever. But uh, so basically, she's got she got to travel the country for free and see things and and all that. But uh, mostly, she's getting a deep respect for our our nation and uh, our our wildlife, and uh, it, it makes me proud. But it, she she's been to Hawaii and she's been up to Alaska. She worked at a gift shop in uh, Skagway, Alaska. And she called me up, and she said, Dad, you got to come up here and see this. There's a trail up a mountain. It's a four-mile hike. You, know, you hike up it, and you, you get there just in time for sunset. And it's the most beautiful sunset she's ever seen. Then you got to spend the night because you don't have time to hike back down. And uh, so she talked me into going up there. She wanted me to come up there. And uh, it scared me to death as a father. Hey, sorry, I got cut off. Um, I didn't know there was a time limit. You know, it makes sense, though, so people just don't ramble on and on and on. Anyhow, all of that was uh daughter invited me up to go on this four-mile hike up a mountain, and it scared me to death to hear my daughter talk about it. Uh, not because I'm scared of a four-mile hike, which I definitely am. Nick don't like to walk. If you ever see my shape, which is like round, you'd understand. But uh, it scared me to death because I think the only reason why they were inviting me up there was this bear country, and I would be the slowest person. <laughs> All right, guys, keep up the good work. And uh, Chuck, I wish you well in your endeavors, and I, I hope you do keep contributing. I, I enjoy your segment. I'll talk to you guys later. Bye. Yeah, I made it before the time ran out. <laughs> that was a really good voicemail from Nikki G there, man. Yeah, thanks, Nikki. I do appreciate the sentiment. Um, I'm legit jealous uh, of anybody that, that that has the foresight to 
to jump on board with these um with these organizations that allow students to travel and um and and, and the things that she's getting to do is is awesome um but because realistically i mean when you're young and in college, what's a better time to travel? You know, the only thing holding you back is money. And <laughs> when you can get it paid for, take off. You know, you got the rest of your life to to work and be an adult. And you can't get those experiences in a book. You just can't. Like, uh, oh man, that uh, and and you know about earning that sunset, that four mile hike. That's what I call it. You you earn that moment, yep. and that oh, yeah. is just an amazing. You know, I'm interested. Uh, my wife's from Alaska. I'm hundred percent sure she'll never want to go back there, but I still got family <laughs> up there. I might, I might have to go research that a little bit. That's pretty cool though. Thank, thank you so much, Nikki G. Uh, I think that is literally the longest voicemail I've ever heard from you and we are honored to have it. Yeah, man. And he could help getting out of there without a, without a couple jokes right at the end. So <laughs> I was waiting for a Sasquatch. <laughs> In the Rock, Mud and Dirt is brought to you by Warren Industries. At Warren, we pour our effort and our thirst for adventure into every product we make. You better believe American pride runs deep here in Clackamas, Oregon. Here, a small army of engineers, technicians, machinists, and assemblers design and refine Warren products, bringing them as close to perfection as possible. Their work is backed up by legendary quality control that doesn't just stand up to rigid worn standards. It lives up to the toughest demands of the world's top vehicle manufacturers and military suppliers. How do we know? Because they've partnered with Warren for decades. This quest for peerless reliability, this worn difference, will be around as long as Warren Industries is in business. At least another 70 years. Go prepared. Go worn. Welcome to the Rock, Mud, and Dirt. This segment where I talk about the people, brands, products, and events from the off-road world. This week, we have an interview with YouTube star, The Bearded Jeeper. We are with YouTuber Jeeper Sensation, Kyle, also known as The Bearded Jeeper. Kyle, welcome to the Route 16 Grind, brother. Thank you for having me. I, I really appreciate it. Yeah, man. So you and I, I we probably chatted uh, over the years. I know I've been following you about 20, since 2016. Um, I remember you bringing up your logo, your channel. So yeah, I, I am a fan. Absolutely. Um, but for our listeners who may not know you, what your story is and how did you come up with the Beater Jeeper? You know, let's hear about that part, man. Like what started the Beater Jeeper? Well, it, it was for, it was kind of rediscovering my love for video when I, I had always, uh, kind of liked making videos. I used to make the old uh, skateboard videos and uh, film my friends doing tricks. Uh, kind of got out of it as I got older. And then I eventually uh, got a GoPro for Christmas from my wife and um, brought it to, I was starting to get back into Jeeps and brought it with me and started falling in love with the uh, filming process all over again. So then uh, it just kind of I started posting a few of the uh, the videos on YouTube, and I was like, "Well, I obviously need a name." And that's when, kind of, when the whole um, the beard thing came about. Like everyone was uh, growing out beards; it, it was the cool thing, it was the in thing. And I had a beard, and I actually thought that the bearded jeeper would be taken already. I, I thought somebody would have to have it, and 
come to find out nobody had it yet. So I, I was able to, to snag that right away and uh, start growing the brand and uh, start really uh, diving into the, the whole world of YouTube. Yeah, and you know, and it's great to have that. I personally, um, I think the big thing that you're kind of sharing is you were you were organized and set in the aspect of you knew what you wanted to put out there on your YouTube channel. You know, you're taking videos, you're you're inspired by the videos themselves, like you know the the capturing of it, if you will, and um, you kind of had a plan in motion. And, you know, I, I you know Route One Six we started in 2016, and I just for me I'm still kind of like yeah I'm not really sure what I'm going to do with the YouTube thing, and I enjoy watching all your videos and stuff like that. Um, you put you kind of just put it out there too, uh, all the grit and grind that you have. It, it's not just you know hey here's this great product. I mean. There's been some carnage on there. Yeah, I, I definitely try to uh, put things to the test, and um, I try to speak my opinion and not just fluff and say this product is good because I might have gotten it um, for a promotional deal or gotten it for free from my YouTube channel or whatever. I'll, I'll really test it, and I, I try to make sure companies know that I'm not one of those people that's just going to say, yes, this is a good product because the reason people are going on YouTube and looking at these products and looking at reviews is to uh, get an educated decision to whether they want to actually get the product or not. And if you're telling them, yeah, it's good, then they turn around and buy it and it's junk. That That's just not good for anybody. Yeah. And you know, you bring a good point. I mean, YouTube's always like the go-to nowadays when you're like, Hey, how do I do this? I, you know, my, my fan broke. I need to go there. Well, I need a new part. I'm actually looking for a new exhaust. I'm looking for tires. I'm looking for this. We would go to YouTube a lot for that. And especially when it comes to the new Jeeper, uh, they're exactly. always, I mean, every new Jeeper always asks, well, what do you got? What do you have? And it's always nice to point people in that direction. Hey, go to YouTube, check this guy out, uh, see what he had to say about it and breaks it down. And, and you're right, man. I mean, I think, uh, something that I talk to with other business owners, other brands is just the, uh, embellishment of ambassadors out there nowadays where you have, uh, you know, like that, uh, ambassador programs are nice and great when they work. But the problem is you have people who just want to get free stuff. And then when they get that free stuff, they're just saying, oh, this is great. You should get it, too, just because they got it for free versus you have somebody probably on a limited budget, um, not really educated in all the mechanics, all the performance things that they might be looking at in that part. And you want to set them right. You want to you know, set them up for success, not just you know, put a notch in your uh, account, if you will. So you get a sale or something. So for what you're doing, that's really cool. So far as you working with, you know, other people, other groups, uh, brands themselves, how's that? Uh, it, it's been working out like really well. Uh, I'm, the more I grow, I notice uh, more companies uh, start to reach out and uh, start to ask about it and I don't, I try not to, I, I try to respond to every single company that reaches out. I know a lot of other people may not reach out to maybe some of the, the foreign companies that they may not care for. They think their products are junk or anything, but I still try to give them the benefit of the doubt and I, I let them know if, uh, if I can't use the product, um, I try to steer them in the right direction maybe of someone that could use their product or another YouTuber that might have uh, the vehicle that they're looking for to review the product. 
Yeah, that's pretty cool. And, you know, I kind of done that too on, on a, a different end, not necessarily for uh, parts and, and accessories and whatnot, but believe it or not, like certain things like getting a promo tent, I, I have a great contact and, uh, they've, they've been wonderful and I pushed them out and help others too with that. Now we probably should talk about it. What Jeep do you have? Well, I have, uh, two Jeeps actually. Well, three, if you include my wife's Jeep, uh, my main daily driver rig is a 2010 uh, Jeep JK, the Islander edition. And then I also have uh, the wife's Jeep is a 2015 JKU. And then I ha- I'm building a uh, Jeep Cherokee XJ right now. Yeah, I'm enjoying uh, seeing that XJ, man. I- I'm- oh, I want to get another one one day. Now, you said the uh, JK Islander edition. Okay, folks, before you, you know, the lockers before light bar crews start chiming out there. Hey, this thing's pretty beefed up. Uh, so what do you got on that? Um, well, I just upgraded this past year. I was uh, at two and a half inches of lift, um, but now I, I switched over to the three and a half inch rock crawler coils, um, still stock control arms. Uh, basically, it's pretty stock still. Um, I, I beat the hell out of it and it's a daily driver, uh, 37 inch tires, stock gears still. Um, I upgraded to the Synergy, uh, one ton steering setup and that's been great. And you have an Aussie locker though, right? Oh yeah. Um, I have an Aussie locker just in the rear. Yeah. But for, for the first, I don't know, a couple of years, um, I drove it open, open and I definitely think everyone should try that before they necessarily go out and uh, buy a locker. It seems like lately a locker is one of the first things people look at, but I feel like you really get a sense of how your vehicle handles and uh, what you can put into it if you try to wheel it with a little less traction and kind of learn to pick better lines that way instead of just always relying on the locker. Oh, right. I started with an XJ, uh, 89 XJ. And, yeah, no lockers know, so there. I felt spoiled when I got my Rubicon in 2011. Uh, I went through a couple of Jeeps in between there, but yeah, that my my first one that I that came with lockers was the current uh, Jeep I have, and absolutely get out there, get the experience, get the training, know what you're doing. Um, it's not all skinny pedal and lockers uh, to get you over everything. Uh, it's really the driver does a lot of the work. It's it's guiding that rig. So far as like people following you and stuff now, you know, you just kind of had initially a couple followers and stuff. And did you just focus on YouTube? Uh, what about all your other social media and, and that aspect? How did that, how did you get out there as far as getting the, your name out there, getting it grow? Cause there might be some individuals out there pretty interested in doing this themselves. Um, well, I, I first started out with the YouTube. That was my primary focus. And uh, for a while there, I, I kind of didn't, uh, really dive into anything else. But then I, uh, I watch a lot of, uh, videos with, of Gary Vaynerchuk. I'm sure you, you might've heard right. the name if, if, if you don't know him already. And, uh, he, he's a, a big, uh, believer in pushing out as much content as you can and, um, trying to di- diversify your, your, um, I, I don't know how I want to put this, but just diversifying where your audience is because you may, uh, some people may not like to watch videos. Some may uh, like to listen to podcasts or 
Uh, some might like uh, a Twitter feed. It, it definitely uh, is a way to get new people into your feed. And say you say the person doesn't even know you have a YouTube channel and you start talking on Twitter or Facebook or something, you might get them um, to come over to your YouTube channel if they're like, oh, hey, I didn't realize you made YouTube videos and uh, I've gained a few subscribers that way. And also on like Twitter and uh, Instagram, uh, for someone looking to kind of get the, the personal branding out there, uh, I've had some companies reach out to me on those platforms uh, and I'm glad I started using them now because when I wasn't, I was missing out on a, a lot of opportunity. Yeah, that's for sure. And and again, it, like even like some of these larger brands, you're thinking they're going to have all these social media feeds. Some of them only have a couple of them. They might just have Facebook. They might just have Instagram or, you know, just kind of like your big three or just stay on one. Like there's a couple I know they're just Instagrammers. They don't do anything else. Um, so definitely getting that diversity out there. And also you have a great selection of content. Um, you, you really do. You cover a lot of ground. And also too, when you're looking at the, the gear you're getting at, you know, it's, it's not necessarily, it's just like approaching it like, uh, uh, most of the Jeepers out there, you know, you're on a budget and you're approaching it like that. I'm pretty sure you would love to get some of the things that, you know, cost like three times of what you got. But you're putting great content, you're evaluating it, and you're using it. And I, that's what I like about following you. Well, thank you. And I, I really, uh, um, I mean, I, like many other Jeepers, like you said, um, we don't always have the biggest budget. You may be uh, just out of high school. This might be your first Jeep. You you never know. And they might look at some of these uh, YouTube channels. They only have all these big Jeeps on tons and have tons of money into it. And they think, well, I, I can never afford that. And it might discourage them. But if you just go out and wheel what you have, um, that's why I, I made a, a video a while back that's uh, done fairly well. It was uh, why you should wheel your vehicle stock. And I'm a huge believer in that just because you don't get to know your vehicle unless you go out there and wheel it and you're not going to break it. Uh, go out with some experienced people and let them show you the ropes. Take your time. Take it easy. Pick good lines. And you're going to have fun and realize you can get out there in a stock Jeep and not have to put all this money into it right away. Yeah, I think for me... I always like to drive my Jeep. So there's a point where like my lift, I think is at two and a half inches. I don't see me going any higher than that. Uh, mine's a daily driver. And you know, I, I know uh, there are individuals that have just dedicated trail rigs and those things are awesome. I, I think if for me, if I had uh, the opportunity to have a large bond, uh, a barn and, and you know, like five different rigs in there, I absolutely would have a trail rig dedicated to that. But I like my daily driver. I like driving route every day. I enjoy it. I really do. But with that said, I, I have to make sure to, to remember, okay, I'll, I drive, I think, maybe back and forth, 75 miles a day, something like that. Yep. So, I mean, for me, I have to look at it honestly of what do I want to do as far as gas, or wear and tear, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, because it's just the truth. And I, I just replaced the transmission last year. I got over 200,000 miles on route, man. So I've been enjoying it. Yeah, I, I really like uh, my JK for that reason. Um, we went to some 
pretty hardcore trails uh, up at uh, Jericho State Park. Uh, and I was the only vehicle out of the, the whole group that I went with that didn't trailer the rig. So I, I could just go there. I hit the trails hard. I didn't break anything, thankfully, and I was able to get off the trail, air up, and drive home when they had to strap up, make sure everything was gassed up and all tied down. And right. it, it's just really nice being able to just drive home. So what would you say has been your most challenging, uh, whether it's experience or your biggest challenge in this whole journey so far of the bearded Jeeper? What has been the hardest thing for you? Uh, that's, that's a tough question. Um, I, I think the hardest thing is not trying to, um, I, I don't want people to not tune in because they think I'm just out there to spend money and, uh, just another person like promoting themselves. I want to help other people as well, uh, be able to help them make informed decisions, maybe learn something, maybe just entertain them. Um, so yeah, I, I'd have to say like trying to put yourself out there and maintain that, uh, good, uh, public appearance with everyone. You know, and, uh, to summarize, uh, as a person that follows you, you're, you're authentic. Uh, that's probably the word I would, uh, equate with you in, in, in that aspect. Um, you're authentic. you, just like you said, you're not necessarily looking there just to be self-promotional, which there's tons of influencers out there. You give them anything, and they're more than happy to say this is the best thing. Uh, you're not like that, and you are. You come with an approach to try and educate things that you learn. Uh, you bring people along with that journey. You ask for assistance, too. Um, I, I love that aspect of it where if I was a new Jeeper, I absolutely, or just a new off-roader, I absolutely yeah. would follow the beer jeeper channel. I absolutely would. I mean, that's the place if you're just not sure you could probably find a video or you could probably find the same situation. You had breakdowns on trails that you're recording too. Let's talk about oh, that. Yeah. Let's talk I about, mean, I remember that. I'm like, Oh my gosh, carnage. Yeah. And, uh, a big thing back to the, uh, the like community is I make sure to respond to every single comment and email. Um, if, your comment or email gets missed. That might be a, a something that went to the spam folder, but I try to go in there every now and then and uh, filter out those comments as well. Just because I, I I've reached out to some other YouTube channels. I won't mention any names, but like when you don't get a reply back, you kind of lose that sense of oh, uh, they actually care about what I think, and I, I want to make sure that. Uh, other people know that they can ask me questions and I'm actually going to be there to give them a response. Yeah, that's awesome. And you know, it's, it's easy. I've done it. I've had a couple of reviews that sat for a couple months and I didn't realize they were there because I wasn't looking in that spot. And so it happens. And plus you have a life too. I mean, you, you got a schedule, you got work and whatnot, but for you to have that commitment to people who are following you, that's awesome, man. That's awesome. So let's, uh, how about that trail breakdown? Oh yeah, that. well, uh, probably probably the the worst one uh, is when I snapped my front axle in half. Yeah, uh, that that was uh, real fun trying to to get out of the woods. Um, we actually it, it was on Earth Day, and I ended up 
snapping the axle in half and the diff fluid was leaking out into it was like part of a riverbed that we were climbing up and i just felt horrible i was like i'm gonna need to plant like a thousand trees every single earth day or something to make up for this (laughs) um but yeah I, i was really um happy with the um people that came through and were able to help me out like the the group of people i wheel with they're really good about making sure everyone gets out gets out safe and no one's left on the trail i mean it took us we were trying to decide what we were going to do when it first happened and we jacked it up to we ran a winch line around a a tall tree to kind of lift the front of the vehicle up to really assess what was happening found out that we were going to have to replace the axle luckily i had one that was uh sitting at my house which was only like an hour away so we were going to have someone bring it to us um but it would have been a pain just because it was in like mud and snow still covering in the woods i think it was early spring yeah i remember Uh, it wasn't it wasn't even a good spot at all yeah, so it, it wouldn't have been fun to try to do it, but we were going to do it. Um, and then we kind of regrouped, decided we were going to come back the next day. And luckily, um, one of the people in our group uh, was uh, good friends with the company uh, Automotive Excess. Um, and they have an off-road recovery tow truck. And if you watch the video, he just backs right up hooks right on it's like crane boom arm and just yanks me right out of the woods yeah it's nice and that's a great thing that's one great thing i love about this community it is very much uh it operates as a community probably a better way to say it um if it, it reaches reaches people in the most unusual places so we have people out here in your all the time get hung up on something and uh, there's a crew that always goes out there and recovers them and whatnot day or night you know people are up on phones calling even if you know and, and all of us do it even if i don't know the person or whatever i see something hey you know you get the message out hey you guys can go out there and help these guys i know uh, a, a club out here um they live about 15, 20 miles from me. But I remember one night they're like, Hey, we'll, we'll go out there and help the recovery. And they just got up and 11 o'clock at night, head out to your go help with recovery. And it's just an amazing uh, thing. And, you know, we need more of that in society, you know? So if you can take some of that trail community effort and put it in just day-to-day life, it'd be a good thing. And that's what I love about, you know, doing these things with the, the outdoors and whatnot. And it's great seeing people like you showing that, and that's what you're doing. You're you're putting that on display and showing that you know that these things are possible. Because you're probably like me. You know, if you've really looked at certain aspects of likes, dislikes, and whatever, it, you know, there might not be some commonality in those groups. But once you get on the trail and you got that Jeep life or Jeep bond connection, you know, that's a that's a great thing. And so, and. I don't know, man. I just, that's what I really enjoy. I'm kind of going long on that, but yeah, it's really, really cool. And you do a great job of putting that on display. So far as people that they wanted to find you, we talked about YouTube. They wanted to find you. And I know you're all over the place. Where would they find you at? Well, uh, YouTube is uh, youtube.com slash the bearded jeeper. Um, 
Instagram. I wanted to have the bearded jeeper as the handle, but somebody else has it, unfortunately. So I had to do the underscore bearded underscore jeeper. Um, Twitter, I'm at bearded jeeper. Uh, Facebook, at, uh, at yeah, facebook.com slash the bearded jeeper. Um, I'm on TikTok, uh, the bearded jeeper on TikTok. Uh, LinkedIn, the bearded jeeper on there. So, Basically, a- anywhere you can see my, my logo with the skull with the little Jeep on on its head and looking like a hat, uh, you, you can find me there and get a hold of me somehow. Heck, just Google the Beard of Jeeper and you're going to see it all come up. What about events? You going to be in any events uh, anytime soon or thinking about going to any? Uh, I want to definitely go to uh, some more events this year. Um, I'll try to go to a, a go topless day somewhere. I'm not sure exactly which one yet. And then uh, I know a big one I always go to every year is uh, crawling for cops at Roush Creek right. off road park. That's a that's been a big one. It's a real fun time. I mean they they have the raffle at the end of the day literally took like three hours last year. So tons and tons of prizes to give away. I I really like that event. Um, might try to get out to, to Bantam, uh, this year as well, but that's a cool one. That's on my list. I don't think I'm gonna make it this year, but definitely on my list for sure. Uh, I would say that one and Jeep beach, um, believe it or not too, man, Jeep beach is pretty affordable. Uh, when you look at some of these events, especially from like, a if you're looking at sponsoring, whatever, if you want to get involved, you want to put up a tent. I mean, believe it or not, Hey y'all, uh, I get nothing out of this, but G beach, good one to check out. Plus you're down in Daytona. So that ain't a bad deal, but Hey Kyle, thank you so much for joining us. The bearded jeeper, you know, anytime you want to come back on and share your journey, where you're at, what you're doing, just let us know. We'll bring you back. Awesome. I, I really appreciate you having me. And if, uh, you or anyone else wants to get a hold of me and they can't on any of the social media platforms. I'm also the bearded jeeper at gmail.com just so uh, you can get in touch with me one way or another and I'll make sure to get back to you guys. All right, brother. Thank you and be safe out there. All right. Thank you. Want to be on the show? Maybe share with us some interesting hunting, fishing, overland, wheeling, or adventure news. Then give us a call at Route 16 Ground Hotline at 919-694-3356, and maybe you'll be on the next show. Since 1989, Tuffy Security Products has been the industry leader in automotive security. Tuffy has a variety of vehicle-specific consoles, drawers, and lockboxes. Tuffy manufacturers adventure-ready organization and security for your Jeep, truck, or SUV. Visit TuffyProducts.com and use special offer code GRIND to save 10% on your order. The Cup of Joe segment is brought to you by C-State Coffee. Have you ever actually drank good coffee? Stop wasting your money on old, stale coffee from the store and make the switch to C-State Coffee. C-State Coffee is a United States Marine Corps veteran-owned and operated roastery selling premium coffee that's roasted on order and delivered fresh to you. Order your coffee today at www.cstatecoffee.com. Man, that was a fun show. We did a lot of talking. Yes, sir, man. That was a good one. Um, I hope everybody gets out and does a little bit of crappy fishing for sure. It, it is the perfect time of the year. Um, it It's one of those deals to where it, and I, 
the hunting is a little more difficult endeavor to get involved in if you if you're if you're outdoor if you're interested in the outdoors you're interested in putting some food on your table you're interested in having some fun and the hunting and angling thing i think i think fishing is is a is a fairly easy way to do it on your own and um so like i said i, I encourage many people that out there that have never done it before to 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 try your best and get out there and put in a little bit of effort and do it yeah, and it's a it's a minimal investment. If you want to look across the board, like even hiking is expensive. Um, oh, dude, you know what I'm saying? Like, dude. so like literally, if you can like just find a good stick, like you know, when I was a kid, mm-hmm. the whole bamboo thing. Yeah, I did yep. that. You literally could. You can get a good hook and get. If you really want to like like you know get focus on the the good stuff, the hook, the bait. And everything else above that, hey, get the best thing you can, but you can, you can get out there. And once you find that good spot, you'll know. I mean, you'll, you keep going back there. And I like what you said earlier, Chuck, about throwing the big one back and stuff and, and the why. Um, because you, you see that a lot on shows. You see that a lot, um, with people on, uh, on social media, but I'm not sure that everyone knows why that they throw those back. And I appreciate you throwing that out there. Well, and, and, and I can tell you one thing that I, I kind of wanted to bring up, but it, it slipped my mind that that is that my 10 to 12 inch rule, which is if, if you, if you talk to enough guys that, uh, fish are crappy and care about crappy, that that's, a, that's a pretty typical range for, um, for what most people are, are dealing with and, and most people are keeping and throwing back. There are certain lakes, like a prime example, um, Baden Lake is one of them. They tend to have a, a larger average size of crappie. So I don't, I, I tend to bump that up to about, to about 13 inches, uh, at Baden. Um, I have kept some 14 inch fish out of there, but I mean, there's been days out there to where if I was going to throw back every fish over 12 inches, I wouldn't come home with any fish. Um, it's just one of those lakes that seems the average size seems to tick up a little bit. So even though you are, you are taking out what in most areas would be like that good size spawning female fish that's going to produce a lot of eggs. She's that fish in particular in that particular lake isn't necessarily the, the breadwinner of the, of the spawning stock. If that makes sense. Right. So no, it does. It, it does. Um, it was great having the beer jeeper on a uh, great guy. I've been following him for, for years. Uh, I think you know, he's been really he has some great videos up on YouTube. And like, I, I'm going to say it again, guys. I mean, he, I just think he's really authentic. He approaches things just like just the average jeeper. I really like his content. Um, if he likes it, he'll tell you. Um, and he doesn't necessarily go out and buy the most expensive things and whatnot. I'm sure he would at something. We talked about that. Like, you know, we'd love to get that, but you got to look at your budget and stuff. It was great having him on. And we're going to probably have him on again sometime, uh, you know, later in the year. Uh, really good opportunity uh, with him, but you know, I want to go back to fish, man. I mean, I, I, I am really looking forward to going fishing this weekend and I want to get some good recipes ready. I'm going fishing this weekend. Yeah. At least I'm telling myself. Um, that. And I know, <laughs> <laughs> well, I know you had mentioned also wanting to go down and fish for some stripers. I know I was supposed to oh. go out, uh, on opening day and it just could not make it happen. Some stuff came up. Um, you know, right. buddy came in town, all this stuff, but I would love to get out there. Now they do have, there's a specific rule and I got to read it again. And I, I tell y'all 
that's one thing that I'm really, I would, I'm just gonna be honest. Like before I wasn't really big when I was younger, I just go out fit. I really didn't look at the rules of what you can keep, what you, you know, and all that. I just, uh, you know, most of the time I threw stuff back and just kept a couple, but with striper, there is a very restrictive rule on size and stuff. So you absolutely need to look at that before you go out. Um, it's just like hunting, almost like a big game. There, there are definitely some strict rules with that. Um, and the cool thing about with them, it's a very limited season where you can fish it and keep it. Uh, the, uh, it, it ends, I believe one April. So it's very limited in that one area uh, that I was looking at. Um, God, I can't remember the place now off the top of my head, but yeah, I, I definitely want to get out some more fishing and stuff and get some scouting in for Turkey. I, I got that. I don't yep. have anything this week. That I'm going to be able to do, but probably the last week of March, uh, that uh, I got a couple of opportunities there. And then, uh, I'm going to try and go maybe a little bit next week, like one day. Uh, I need to get out to one of the areas that my, my son and I got a draw for, for the adult and youth. And, um, I, I need to go out there and do some scouting cause I'm not really too sure exactly where I'm going to start out there. So got to get Uh-oh. it in. Got to get it. Hey, in. since um, since you're talking, uh, you brought that up, and I mean, I meant to text you about it earlier, but we'll just talk about it on the podcast. Uh, PD National Wildlife Refuge. Uh, you may want to get on their website and double check, but it looks like they didn't have enough people to apply for their youth hunt. So they're according to their website, there's like thirty something leftover youth tags uh, to go hunt that refuge. Is and, it on a uh, youth day? Like, is it on the opening day? Uh, I'm not sure. I'll look, I'll of, look into the it. Date. Yeah. It, it, it may be opening weekend of Turkey season. I don't okay. think it's actually on youth day. Cause I have, uh, the first day I already got that planned out, but hey, so what's, what day's youth day this year? I think it's April 4th. I think that's the day it opens that I think it's a, a Saturday that Saturday morning. It's on. Okay, so then the youth day is actually the probably the following weekend. Okay, because I know the first week of the hunt at PD was the thirteenth through the eighteenth, and then we got Drew for the second week, which was the twentieth through the twenty fifth. So, anybody out there interested in getting some youth outside? That's uh, I mean, this is you talk about. I mean, it's right at ten thousand acres. It's it's leased in agriculture. It's mixed hardwoods and pines. Um, Pines are planted in blocks. They do a lot of routine burning out there. It, it's a fantastic place to go hunt. It's it's a lot of land. It, it's twelve bucks for a youth permit. Um, it's twelve bucks for any permit, but it's all done by lottery. Deer hunting and um, deer hunting and turkeys. So it's it's fantastic. You the the adult hunts are sold out. Um, so you can't you can't purchase a permit for that. But according to the website, you can still purchase youth hunts. The, the drawing is the draw period is over. Um, so they're, like I said, they didn't have enough people to apply for it. So what it tells me, there was a lot of aggravated dads last year. That's well, what I, I can tell you, uh, one, one of the, one of the kind of issues with this hunt is, and, and I, I don't agree with it, but what they do. So say you're going to take your kid and you apply for the youth hunt. If you get drawn for the youth hunt, you can't go on the adult hunt. Oh, okay. Makes sense. Yep, I got you. Nah, so you can, o- you can uh, only get one permit. Yeah. So it, it doesn't I matter 
what that permit is, you're only getting one. So if you get drawn for the youth. So we have some selfish dads out there is what we're saying. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Which I can't fault them. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, so for me, I like literally this turkey season, I'm really trying to focus on just the experience with my son and I. Um, I have one hunt above what he'll have this year. So the way I'm looking at it, we're both inexperienced turkey hunters and I I'm just going to go and invest that time and energy with him. So it's something that we can carry forward and enjoy together. Oh, for sure, man. I, I think it's essential uh, part in, in building relationships, not, not necessarily just father and son, but with people in general, getting out in the woods, you, you go through some things that you don't typically go through in the office. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, absolutely. I, I know about that for sure. Um, and you know, it's always, you know, you, you, you build a lot of character with those rainstorms and, you know, man, where did this Creek come from? And all those kind of moments. Oh yeah. And plus, I mean, (laughs) you're, you're taking a life and, and, and handling that and how you handle that and seeing how somebody else handles it and going through the process of making the meat. Um, it's, it's all a, it's, 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 it's all like kind of compounds on itself to that, to that experience and, uh, and, and going through that with people and, you know, and then, and then, and then six months later, whatever the, a week later, then sitting down and eating the meal, it's just all something that it gets drug out and it just, it's a memory that keeps growing and it keeps building and it keeps popping up. So I, I think it's great for those relationships. Yeah. And you know, that just reminds me of, you know, when you brought uh, that, that one interview you had from the field, uh, with the, the pause event. So it's going to be, Great hearing more about uh, the pause event when you have time to share it with us, Chuck. Um, oh, yeah. As, as you're going off and committing that time that you have available uh, to that. And that's great. And uh, I'm looking forward to hearing more of those stories, man. And uh, you, you are by far a, a tremendous ambassador to the sport um, and to the R3 efforts. And again, this podcast would not exist without you. And I would not be in the field as much if it was not for you. So I appreciate uh, not only your friendship, but your mentorship as well. Dude, man, I, I appreciate the words. Um, I really do. It, it's something that I don't know. I think I think realistically, if, you, if you'd asked me, I don't know, 10 years ago, I was still a dumb kid. Um, six, seven, eight years ago, I don't know, my mid-20s, I would have just been like, I just... I don't know if I'd had any interest in it. I may have been a little bit more selfish. Uh, it could have just been an issue of me just not being aware of, of conservation and being aware of, of like the issues that face hunters. Cause I, I don't necessarily consider myself a student of hunting. Uh, I'm not like steeped in the history and, and all of the, the, the history of like, hunting in north america and how it developed across the united states and all that but i don't know i'd like to think maybe if i I would have gotten involved earlier if i would have been more aware it was it was one of those deals to where it was just i was just like oblivious to kind of some situations and kind of just how things functioned and and now it's such a big part of my life um that it's it's not something i'm ever gonna like quit now at this point I, i enjoy conservation um is not as much because if i if i enjoyed it as much i wouldn't complain when sometimes certain obligations eat up my weekend 
um, and keep me from getting out and hunting and fishing. But I, I definitely love it um, a, a considerable amount, and it's something that I'm always going to do. And I, and I think, I think as a hunter, I, ha- I have a conflicting opinions about it. Um, I, I think all hunters should be doing something conservation related, um, and that is, I, I believe it to 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 the bottom of my soul that if you're hunting, if you're fishing, if you're, if you're impacting a resource, you should be doing something to conserve it. Um, if you're, if you're going out and hunting, you should care about it enough to keep it around, to keep the, to keep the wildlife around, whether it's a game or a non-game species, you should be giving back to the, the environment that you're, that you're out in. And at the same time, I also realize that not everybody can do that. Not everybody has the time. Not everybody has the drive, the ambition, um, so it, that's, that's where the, kind of the conflict comes in there is I understand the people that don't do it. Uh, but yeah, no, it's something now that it really is. It's a part of me. It, it's a big reason why I'm stepping away from the full-time responsibilities of this show. So I can focus more on the things that I already had prior commitments to, or took on bigger responsibilities with. And, uh, yeah, man, I guess I rambled on long enough about that. Oh, I, I, pre- I, <laughs> I appreciate like you bringing me on, uh, you asking me, it meant a lot when, when we first started this thing, I was like, why, what the hell am I going to talk about? Um, which is most people wouldn't believe it. Cause I am, uh, I, I do talk, but I talk in conversation. I don't put together like these like 15 minute sound bites and stuff. It's kind of like whatever comes up and then you can't get me to shut up about it. But yeah, no, it was, it is helped me. Um, kind of realize some shortcomings, I guess, in certain areas where I should, I should research more. I should learn more. Um, I should be better equipped to talk about things. Um, so yeah, I don't know. It's not, but like I said, it's also affirmed that like conservation and the, the, the politics side of it and everything that's kind of, that's making sure that my great, great grandchildren are hunting. Um, like, I mean, well, I mean, like quail hunting, something that skipped a couple generations because quail kind of went away in North Carolina. I'm hoping that my great grandchildren or my grandchildren uh, get to hunt quail again in North Carolina on, on without having to drive all the way across the state or out well, try having to hunt preserved birds. So, I mean, it's one of those deals to where I, I, I see the writing on the wall of certain species now and. I see the stories that my grandpa tells about things that he used to do that he can't do anymore because things weren't conserved properly. So it's, it's not something that I ever want to go away. And I, I tell you, Chuck, you have made me think like I, I would say before I met you and, and listened to some of the uh, topics that you brought, uh, getting me involved in uh, backcountry hunters and anglers, reading their information and digesting it and doing my own research. Um, yeah, I, I would definitely say I, I I have changed my opinions on certain things, um, and I'm lurking looking forward to learning more. And you know, uh, as you know, we're bringing Ethan from uh, Clips Outdoors uh, on. And I'm gonna let him when he comes on, uh, kind of introduce himself. If you guys want to check him out, uh, you can follow uh, Eclipse.outdoors on Instagram and on Facebook. Um, the only thing I'll share with you today is uh, he's competitive uh, and sponsored. Uh, archer and i'll let him go through all that but looking forward to bringing him on the show um he he uh has some of the same passions as chuck uh when it comes to public land and he has a lot of great knowledge 
I'm looking forward to listen to. And, you know, Chuck, the door's always open. You're always welcome back here. I look forward to possibly hearing you provide every now and then uh, from the field or outdoor update uh, of your choosing. Uh, we're going to miss you. I'm going to miss you. But I know for a fact we both will be in the field at some point together. For sure. Maybe uh, maybe we'll get a, a podcast done during turkey season. Heck yeah. If not, shortly after. But, yeah, no, I'm just walking away from the full-time stuff. Still going to be involved uh, in Route 1-6 grind periodically. It's one of those deals to where, especially, and I do appreciate you being like, hey, if you ever got something you want to come on here and talk about for 15, 20 minutes, give me a call and we can get it worked in. So that's kind of how the folks are going to be hearing from me, at least at least in the in the uh, upcoming future. So, And I look forward to seeing – the next chapter, realistically, uh, I want to I want to hear what Ethan's about. I look forward to hearing him. I'm glad you found a host so quickly, and and you weren't like like it. It it makes your life a little bit easier because you're not scrambling next week looking for looking for like a part time guy. You know, like the weird transition on like those talk shows or something. You're like Regis <laughs> and Kelly. Yeah. When, when she's always looking for somebody. You know, it's like a bunch of random people for like eight weeks, and then finally they decide on somebody. Yeah, so. uh, oh, that's funny. You know, it's only because uh, you know, I think you and I uh have have, you know, made this show uh something that people do want to listen to and and that's really how I found Ethan. Someone reached out and uh was looking for a segment for their nonprofit and we got talking and and said, "Hey, I'm also looking for a host and da da da." And Ethan and I started talking. So, you know, and honestly, it, you helped me find them. So, I really appreciate it. Word, man. Well, I appreciate it, dude. Thank you all for joining us. Remember, if you have an idea or maybe you'd like to contribute to one of our segments, all you have to do is go to Route16.com and select Contact and let us know your idea. That's R-O-O-T-O-N-E-S-I-X.com and select Contact. Thanks for listening to the Route16 Grind. We want to thank our amazing sponsors, Warren Industries, Tuffy Security Products, C-State Coffee, and Route 16 Off-Road for their support. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest, and more. Just look for Route 16. That's R-O-O-T-O-N-E-S-I-X. Or just go to Route16.com. Until next week, plan smart, be safe, and as always, be prepared. Who's ready for turkey hunting? Yeah!